Thank you so much. God bless. Is this on? Is this on? Is it on? Thank you so much. Thank you very much. And what a wonderful crowd. You've grown since I was here last, and that's wonderful. And I'm feeling a little intimidated after about 28 of these kids stood up here with all of their awards. And I'm sorry I come with no awards today. But I'm, I'm so happy to be here at this church. I love your pastor and his wife. They are wonderful people and their family. It's just you're blessed to have this leadership. And to see what God is doing here is a thrill to my heart. And the spirit that I love, that I feel here, I love so much. And let me just say that for those of you with children, what a privilege it is that you have your children in a church that recognizes the value of those children. And you're blessed to have it. And then to have my daughter, Terry, stand up, honey. I don't know where she got that height. She sure, maybe she got it all from me because I don't have much of it. Thank you, babe. She's my, she's my darling, and I am so appreciative of not only what she is, but what God is doing through her and her ministry. And I will tell you this, she has been a tremendous blessing to me, especially since my husband died. She has just really stepped in, and uh, she really should be the one to be preaching today because my days are fast ending, and her days are in the beginning of a glorious ministry, and I am deeply grateful for what God is doing through her. And I am here today, and Pastor, I hope you don't mind me saying this, but I'm not preaching. I'm not a preacher. Terry's a preacher. I'm a teacher. But I have a lesson for you today that I am thrilled to death to share with you. <clears throat> it's kind of an exploratory lesson. Have you ever heard of exploratory surgery? You know, that's when the doctor knows there's something there, but he's not real sure of it, and he's just trying to find out what it is. Well, I'm going to do some exploratory teaching today because my subject is heaven. And I haven't been there, but I know it's there. And I'm just going to try to search out some of the things. I, I, my heart has been heavy over what's happening in our world today. I don't know if you feel it or not, but I feel the darkness of the ages settling in around us. And not only the world, but my own beloved America is suffering. And the things that are happening are just so unreal. And so I'm going to do what Paul told us to do, and that is to take comfort to take comfort in the fact that there's going to come a day when he's going to come back and this whole thing is going to change and I'm going to a place that you can't even imagine what it's going to be like. And with all the darkness, you better keep this light in your mind that there's a heaven and I'm going to live my life so that I'm guaranteed to make it in. Isn't that wonderful? What a great privilege it is. You know, I know there's something there, and I know there's a whole lot about it in the Scripture, but is it a real place, an actual place? Where is it? What is it like? Are there people there? Have you ever thought of these questions? Do they ever cross your mind? I'm a little bit afraid that we have become so earth-oriented that sometimes we lose sight of what the ultimate prize is going to be. But God is working even now. 
He is preparing that place for us, and I'm excited to talk about it. 1 Thessalonians 4 says, those that are dead in Christ, we, that they will be raised in the rapture. Then we who are alive will be caught up to meet them, and we will meet the Lord in the air and go to be with him forever and forever in a place he has prepared. Heaven is real, folks. Heaven is real, and I hope after today that it gives you a renewed desire to go. It is the ultimate goal of my life to make it to heaven. Did you hear me? That's the ultimate goal. Regardless of what I have to do or what I don't do, I want to be sure that my reward is waiting for me in heaven. Heaven is real, and heaven is being prepared even now, and I don't want to lose sight of it. It seems since the death of my husband, and all of you are very familiar with it, he went home to be with the Lord three years ago this month. And it seems that since the death of my husband that I have had a, an un, just an unfulfilled feeling of wondering what it's all about. If you lost anybody recently and you wonder where they really are and what's going on, I see some of these children shaking their heads. There is a life after this life. You, you will never die. You will live forever somewhere, and you can decide where it's going to be. But I want to just share with you what Tom's last words were. It, it, it's the most beautiful death I think I've ever heard of, and it, it just set a fire in my heart to find out more about heaven. Just as he was beginning to really slip away, his breath had been very short and very shallow. And he took one real, Terry was there with me. We were right there by his bed. <clears throat> he took one deep, deep breath and he drew it in. And as he let that breath out, these are the words that he said. I am in the presence of God. And dropped his head and that was it. Brother Barnes always told us that there's only a tissue paper wall between our world and that spirit world. And a man that's dying doesn't lie. And when he took that deep breath, and in one split second, in one breath, he moved from one world to another not alive in this world, but very much alive and very much aware in that other world. As he announced to us, I am in the presence of God. So from that, I have had a keen desire to know more and more about heaven. You know, the, the story in the Bible of the boy with the prophet when they were surrounded by the enemy and the, the prophet asked that his eyes be opened and the boy's eyes were opened and all of a sudden, instead of seeing the massive army that was there in the hills, he saw the armies of God, the angels of the Lord. It was a split second situation. His eyes went from seeing the enemy to seeing the angels. They didn't just suddenly appear, they were already there. There's just that fine, thin veil between us and that other world. It's even now as we sit here. There is another world that is hovering over us that is more real than the one that we're sitting in. Yes. 
I believe that with all my heart because the scripture shows us that that happens. Let me, let me mention another situation in the scripture. On the Mount of Transfiguration, the disciples were there with Jesus. You know the story. And all of a sudden, there they see Elijah and Moses. Not just figures, not just pictures, the real Moses and Elijah were standing there and the scripture says they were talking with Jesus and they were talking about his death. Now this was Moses and Elijah that had lived many, many, many years before. But in one movement of the curtain between this life and that other life, they were looking into the eternal realm of that other world it is so real, folks. It is here, it is all around us. And we would be much, much to our benefit if we would be very much aware of the fact that it is there. I have a friend that I was talking to about this lesson and she said, you know, when my mother died, who was a wonderful dear old saint, and I've heard so many stories like this, and you probably have too. She said she was laying there just peaceful waiting for that last breath to just slip away and said suddenly her eyes opened and she said, Mama? Because her mother had been a wonderful saint for many years and had gone on to her reward. Her reward. And between the breath, the last breath of life and that first breath of celestial air, she recognized one of those dear saints that had already gone ahead. It is a real place, folks. Heaven is real. The afterlife is real. You're gonna live forever somewhere. You don't just die and it's over with. Your body transcends, your spirit goes on, and life continues, but in a different realm altogether. You know that old saying, it pays to make sure you know where you're going? You're buying the ticket by the way you live and it pays to make sure you know your destiny and there is a wonderful and deep destiny that I'm waiting for. It's, is it a real place? Let me, I'm gonna go through some scriptures. If you have a pencil, I think you might wanna write down these scripture references because there's a lot of them. But I'm asking the question, is it a real place? And in John chapter 14, verses two and three, Jesus said, in my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you I've gone to prepare a place for you. And that place I'm gonna be and you will be too. The original word in the scripture for place is topos. We get the word from that topology or it means a locatable place on a map. That gives me the understanding that heaven is a real place, just like Baton Rouge is a real place and Louisiana is a real place. Heaven is a real place. The many mansions, the original language for that many mansions is a dwelling place. It is an actual place in a place where people will live. It's real. And I hope this impresses you today to make sure you go there because it is a physical place somewhere where we're gonna spend the rest of eternity. Where is heaven? It's up. 
You know, I think this is kind of why we automatic, you know, anybody that starts to pray, unless they are under such condemnation that they drop their head, when you start to pray, there is a tendency to look up. It's, it's inbred in us. It's part of our, our DNA. That's where God is. And I can prove to you by the scripture that it's up because in Acts chapter one, when Jesus ascended, he was taken up, the scripture says, in a cloud into the heavens. And the angels say, said to the disciples, why stand you here gazing up into the heavens? Because, because he went, he's gonna come again. Everywhere you touch the scripture, there is an understanding that there's life after this life. And there's a heaven waiting for those who will be faithful and who will trust God. You know, even, even the devil knew where heaven was. And if the devil knows it, I sure want to be aware of it. Because he said, I will ascend into heaven and I will build my throne, put my throne in the north side of heaven. He knew where God's dwelling place was because God lives in that heaven that we talk about now. So is there more than one heaven? Yes, there are. There are three and then into the fourth heaven. The scripture says in Genesis chapter one that the earth's atmosphere is heaven. That was the creation of the second day of the creation in the book of Genesis. Then there's a second heaven, which is the outer space. The fourth day of creation, the outer space was made and it was called a heaven. And that's where the planets and the stars are. But then there's a third heaven. That's where the presence of God is. That's God's dwelling place in the third heaven. Paul gives us the insight into that because he said he was caught up into the third heaven and he saw things and witnessed things that he could not even explain to those here. And then there's gonna be a fourth heaven because God's word has declared that there is a new heaven and a new earth being prepared. So there are more than one heaven, but there is a real heaven, which is the dwelling place of God. First Peter, Second Peter 3, 7, 10, and 11, but the heavens and the earth which are now, and it goes on to say they're gonna be destroyed, burnt up with fire. Let me tell you why it's important that you keep your spiritual priorities in place because everything you can touch is gonna to burn up. Everything. Even the earth itself is gonna be consumed with a fire to purify it. And God is going to establish a new earth. Your homes, your cars, your bank accounts, your graduation certificates, all the money that's in the banks, Everything that's in this world is gonna be destroyed because it's gonna be purified. And God is gonna create a new earth. And Isaiah 65, 17, for behold, I create a new heaven and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come into mine. And Revelation 21, 10, and he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. So you see what's gonna happen is everything that we know as the earth and the heavens is gonna burn up and he's gonna have a new heaven and a new earth. Now let me just stop and explain a little bit here. <clears throat> that heaven 
there's going to be a new earth, there's going to be a new heaven, and then there's going to be the new Jerusalem. Terry and I were talking yesterday. The new Jerusalem, as far as I can understand, is reserved for the bride of Christ, where we will live forever with him, really live there in a new Jerusalem, and it will descend. Now, this is like kind of like some of this way outside stuff you hear, but this is from the Word of God, so I know it's true. I don't understand how it's going to happen, but I believe it. Anybody here believe the Word? It is going to descend from heaven, and will, as best we can understand, it will hover over the original Jerusalem somewhere, but it will hover in the heavens. There will be no sun, there will be no moon. It will be a new place. There will be no sea in the earth anymore. The seas will not divide the earth. I cannot understand all of this, but I'm taking this straight from the word of God. And I'm telling you, we are much closer to seeing this come to pass than we have ever been before. I'm not gonna miss it, folks. I'm not gonna miss it. I'm going to that city. Abraham said he was looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. And someday we're gonna be there. And John called it the city of my God. And it is being built right now and it will be ready for us. He is preparing it. It's amazing to me that he created the heavens and the earth in seven creation days. I don't know how long a creation day is, but he's been working on Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem and the heaven for all of these many years. Can you imagine what it's going to be? Now let me give you some statistics on it. Is this okay? I think we need to understand these things. The size of the new Jerusalem. The scripture tells us that it's a 1,500 mile cube. That means it's 1,500 miles high, wide, long, cube. 1,500 miles. If the average floor of a skyscraper building is 12 feet high, then there could be 660,000 stories in the New Jerusalem. I didn't come up with that. People that are smarter than I figured it out. But with a 1,500-mile cube, that's what they said. Now, the tallest building in the world is in Dubai. It's 2,717 feet high. It's 104 stories high. The New Jerusalem is 660,000 stories high. If it's a 1,500-mile cube. And Revelation 21 says, and he measured the walls thereof, 144 cubits, according to the measure of a man. So that was given to us so that men could know the size of these things. And the building of the wall is it was of jasper, and the city was pure gold, like unto clear glass. The walls around the new Jerusalem are 72 yards wide made of pure jasper, which is one of the semi-precious stones. That is one-fourth the size of a football field. That's the walls. 
You're going to be safe there? I think so. This is not figurative. These are actual measurements. The scripture says they gave it to us so that men could understand. You say, well, that's hard to believe. You know, because the city is made of gold. And it's gold that is so pure, it's like it's transparent. That you can see through it almost. It's so pure. Can you imagine the size of 1,500 square cube city? made of gold but you know if you just look around at the creation that he did here and it's absolutely men are still studying it to understand the creation here then it gives you faith to believe that whatever is said in the word of God he's able to do that and even more because he's God and there is no lack and there is no limit to what he can do. It is not hard for me to believe that these things are true. There's a mathematician that lives in New Jersey that has figured out how big it's going to be. And he said that it can accommodate 20 billion residents. That is if each of them had 75 acres each. I don't want a place with no two or three acres. I don't want to mow that much. But I can have a place up there with 75 acres, but I'm not going to have to mow it either. And yet there's going to be billions of other faithful saints of God that are going to inhabit that place. I hope you get a picture of what I'm trying to tell you today. It's going to be worth it all. It's going to be worth everything. It's going to worth, be worth anything that you think even might be something to tempt you. It's not worth it, folks. Life is too, you may not even make it home today in this life. I'm living for something that's going to be forever and forever and forever. As long as God exists, heaven will be there. Why wouldn't I want to go? Why wouldn't I lay down anything that I had to lay down or change anything I needed to change to live a pleasing life to him? It sounds interesting to me, and I sure want to go. Anybody here want to go with me? And of course, you know there are 12 gates, and they're made out of one pearl, and those gates have the names of the tribes of Israel on them. The walls are of jasper. There's no temple there, no church buildings there, because the King of kings and the Lord of lords and God himself will be seated on his throne in that wonderful place. He will be the light, he will be the temple, he will be everything. He will be the life that we have in that wonderful place called heaven. It's such a real place. It has a river. Do you think that's a real river? I believe it is. Flows through the city. There are trees on the sides of the river and leaves you know, I'm a, I, I love nature. I love flowers. I love plants. Trees are one of my favorite things. I, uh, Terry can tell you, driving yesterday, oh, I, I just couldn't keep from admiring the trees. But heaven is so real that I'm going to be able to enjoy the trees there. And the leaves will be for the healing of the nations. It's going to be an absolutely awesome. Now, let me, let me show you something else. Revelation 21 says, and the 
nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth shall bring their glory and honor unto it. Talking about them coming to the new Jerusalem. Now, I, don't, I can't even begin to explain all of this, but that new earth is going to have something. And the people, most of the, the people that I've read after think that the Jewish people will probably inhabit the new earth and they will, they will reckon with the fact of coming to the new Jerusalem to pay homage to the God of their fathers. And then I have something else that is just absolutely wonderful, and I'm not sure where it is on my notes. But the book of Daniel says that the nations will be given to the children of God to rule over. You know the story in the Bible where the, the, the man left and went away and he came back into the faithful servants. He said, you rule over these 10 cities and you rule over these five cities. We're gonna do something up there. Now, you know, the very thought of heaven, some people all they can think of is floating around on a cloud with a harp in your hand. Well, pardon me, but I'd be bored to death for 10,000 years to do nothing but float around on a cloud and play a harp. That don't sound like a wonderful place to me. But where I'm going, it's going to be full of life. It's going to be full of people. It's going to be full of a lot of things. Now, these things won't happen until we go through a whole lot of stuff here on the earth. Armageddon is coming, folks. You've heard it all your life. But Armageddon could start tomorrow. Do you know it could? It, do you know it could? It really could. This life is so uncertain, and the hour that we're living in, it is especially uncertain. Let me give you just a few statistics. The death statistics in this world are amazing. Three people die every second. 180 people every minute, and 1,000 every hour, and 250,000 people die every day worldwide. Death is the result of the curse of sin on this earth. But I'm going somewhere where we're going to live forever without all of the problems that we have had. For believers, death is not the termination of life. It is a transition. We say, Brother Tenney died. I say, my husband died three years ago. He didn't really die. He just made a transition because he was as much alive after that last breath and even more so than he was before. And the same situation is waiting every one of us. Every one of us. For believers, death is not a termination of life. Paul spoke of his death and he spoke of it like this. He said, I would rather depart and be with the Lord. And the word that he used for our translation, depart, was a picture word of a boat that loosed itself from one mooring and headed toward another and would land on another mooring just after the trip or the transition. And that's what Paul said. I'd rather leave this life and, and, and embark on a trip to where I know I'm going to be living with God forever. Does anybody here believe what I'm saying today? I hope that this gives you something to to change your feeling about all the trouble that's in this world. Personally, of course, I, I know that I'm a little different to most of you. I'm 86 years old. I've had a wonderful life. But I am so anxious for the Lord to come. 
I am so anxious to get to go to that place. I am yearning for that place. But every one of you, even if you're young now, it could still happen overnight and we would be into another world all together. Stephen said when he was stoned and was killed by the stoning, he said, receive my spirit. Looking up, he saw Jesus himself that lets me know again that there is nothing but a very thin partition between this life and that other life. As he was making that transition from the stones pelting him on the head until the life was ebbing out of his body and the spirit was lifting itself to go to Christ himself, he saw Jesus and said to him, receive my spirit. I think that's what my husband saw. I think that's what many saints, many stories that we've heard through the years have sold. So 1 Corinthians 15 says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a split second, in a moment's time. Now then, I want to talk to you just a little bit about what it's going to be like when we get there. You know, and, and literally I have studied a lot of this and I don't even claim to know it all. And I'm not even sure I've interpreted it all. But I think it's something that we have forgotten to talk about. And I'm ready to go there and the whole world is getting ready for a change. You know that, everybody feels it. So we need to get our, our bearings and, and understand what is waiting for us. God created man, body, soul, and spirit. Now, when your spirit takes flight at death, what does it do? Does it have a body? Or is it just a spirit? Do we just float around as a spirit for how many years until it's all over with and we go to the New Jerusalem? Most scholars that I can check think that we will have a temporary body of some sort because God has always spoken of mankind as body, soul, and spirit. That's the way he made us to begin with. But then there's coming a time when we're going to have a glorified body because the scripture says we will have a body like unto his. But it's going to be a real body. Jesus talked he was with people. They saw him. He ate. He, he was like himself, except he had other qualities. For instance, he could appear and disappear at will. Uh, there is a possibility. You know, they're talking about, I understand they've got all these supersonic jets and they're talking about going to the moon and all my husband and I used to have a little joke because I'm fascinated with stars and Venus has always been my favorite, the morning star. I just, I love it. At certain times of the year, it's so bright. He said, if I miss you when I get to heaven, I'm going to Venus because that's where you'll be. <laughs> there is the possibility we will travel like that. Jesus appeared on the Emmaus Road and then he disappeared from the table. Jesus came into a room where the doors were locked, but he had a body. He ate fish. He talked to them. 
It's going to be great because you'll have a body, but it won't have all the aches and pains. My back won't be bad when I get over there. And you won't stumble and you won't hurt and you won't have any kind of disease and you won't be taking any medicine, but you're going to be fully alive like you have never in your life even thought about because it's going to be that way. And it's going to happen so quick. Jesus told the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me. You know, before we leave this building, it could happen. Before you come back together as a church body, it could happen because it definitely is going to happen. Now let me go a little further. What will we be doing in heaven? Pastor, is this okay? I think we need to know it. I'm old enough I can say this is what y'all need to know. What would we do in heaven? Like I told you, if I thought I was going to float around on a cloud, I don't know if I'd be so excited about going. It'd be worth it to get out of this world, but I think it's going to be more than that. From what the, the scholars can glean from the Word of God, there are going to be two things that we do in heaven. We're going to worship and we're going to work. Now some of you may say, work? But the difference is there's not going to be the sting of sin there. You'll work, but you won't get tired. When the scripture said about God when he was doing creation, it says God did this and did that, and he looked at it and saw that it was good, and God rested. It doesn't mean that he was tired and he had to go take a nap, but it means he paused to observe. So... If we can take it from the way he created Eden, which was his original desire and place for mankind, they did two things in Eden. They worshiped and they worked. They fellowshiped with God and they kept the garden and tended the garden. So, you know, there is a possibility and here we are in possibilities, but we are just all we can do is take what is there and then see what we can understand about it. There is a possibility that your giftings now will be sharpened and even better than what they have been and you will be employed according to your giftings. If I get there and that's true, I'm gonna have the most beautiful flower garden you ever saw in your whole life because can you believe no weeds, no bugs, no problem, perfect atmosphere, and I love flowers, and it's going to be a beautiful place. There's going to be a river. There's going to be light. Why not have flowers? I'm telling you, folks, heaven is going to be absolutely beyond any imagination, and you will work. You will have something. I mean, it's going to go on for millions of years. You're going to just lay down and take a nap the whole time? There's going to be things for you to do. You, God made us like that, and it will happen. I, I get excited when I think about all those kind of things. Maybe you don't, but I do. And Jesus said, and this is, this is a very interesting verse. I had never noticed it until I was doing this study. John 5, 17, Jesus answered them, My Father worketh hitherto, and I work. And the translation of that is, my father is working until now, and now I myself am working. 
So there may be some work there, but if there is, you won't get tired. It will be stuff, whatever you do, it, we, you will enjoy doing it. We will still be ourselves in heaven. We will still be ourselves in heaven. When they appeared with Jesus, they recognized them. That's Moses and that's Elijah. They knew who they were. They were the same people that had lived before, but they were in a glorified situation. You're going to still be Terry, and I'm still going to be Thetis, and she's going to be Paula. And the scripture, not only that, but we will be known by our names. Because the scripture said, he said, come sit down at my table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We'll still have our names. We'll still be who we are. But we'll be in a perfected state. Can you imagine that? Being perfect? No, I can't. But, and we will wear clothes. We won't float around as spirits because the scripture says we will be clothed in white raiment. Revelation 3 and 5, the overcomers are clothed in white garments. Now, how old will we be in heaven? Now, there is no scripture for this. But most scholars think that we will probably, everybody will be probably around 30 years old. Don't that sound good? Yeah. Now, let me tell you what they base it on. Because, you know, it, I mean, I've got a back that is so bad, they have to help me come up steps. Well, I'm going to have this same body there, and you're going to be able to recognize me. And I'm going to have my same name. Now, I can prove that by scripture. I can't prove how old I'm going to be, but I couldn't be 86 with a bad back. That wouldn't be heaven. So the scholars have decided that probably around 30, and they base that on the fact because the priest's age was 30, was a very important age. Jesus started his ministry at 30, and 30 is presumed to be among medical people probably the prime age of a being. You have matured, but you haven't started downhill yet. So if you're, if you're 86 years old like I am, you're not going to be 86 forever. Someday you're going to see me and I'm going to look like a 30-year-old <laughs> with a brand new body and nothing wrong with it. Hallelujah. Revelation 22:12. And behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me to give every man according to his work. Now this I want you to know. Good works will never get you to heaven. It's by the grace of God and nothing else, only God's grace. You cannot be good enough to go to heaven. You are tainted with sin. I don't care how good you are. But good works are going to be important when you get to heaven. Good works won't get you there, but good works will make a difference in the reward you have when you get there. If you are giving all of your energies, all of your whatever you have to worldly situations and to build up your life in this world, you are wasting your time only what is done for the kingdom of God is going to make a difference. 
And only what you've done for the kingdom of God will gauge the reward you have when you get there. And there are going to be rewards. He said to one, you take five cities, to another, you rule over ten cities. There are going to be differences in rewards. But thank God we won't have a fallen nature where we'll get jealous of each other. That came from the fallen nature and sin dwelling in us. But rewards will be given for the faithfulness of the people who have served God. I'm going to give him the best I have because this life is going to be over with so quick. And besides that, this world is so uncertain. I don't care how much you've got or how much you've acquired or how powerful you are. It could be over in one day. But what I'm laying up over there is going to be forever and forever and forever and forever and forever. I want to go to heaven. Does anybody here want to go to heaven? So we can rejoice. We can rejoice because heaven is real. It is a real place. And the Lord himself shall descend and we will be caught up dead or alive to be with him forever. To be with him forever. And Paul said, comfort one another with these words. Will you stand? Is there anybody here that's interested in going to heaven? Anybody here got a yearning in your heart to want to go to heaven? I want to go to heaven. You know, I was at a funeral just recently and we sung so many of those old songs. Won't it be wonderful there? Oh, uh, you know, I'm going to heaven, going there when I die. So many great songs. I've been singing them all week. Anybody want to join with me? Can we sing an old heaven song? Somebody lead us, Sister Paula, or somebody come help us with a song about heaven. You want to go there? Then you've got to make preparation. You don't go on your own. You have to trust the Lord Jesus Christ and it's the same old story. Repent of your sins. Be baptized in his name and if you're going to the new Jerusalem, you gotta be married to the groom. I've taken on his name. I'm the bride of Christ. I'm going there someday and it's gonna be worth it all when we see Jesus. Pastor, hallelujah. Would you raise your hands and let's praise him. Praise him for the hope. This is the blessed hope that scripture speaks of it. Praise him with me, will you? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, because we have this hope. Thank you for the promise. Thank you that it's real. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.